Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? It's me, Ian McLaird, and I am the host of this daily Boston Bruins podcast, where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can get 20% off your next order of the best-tasting protein bars out there. It is Wednesday, October 28th. Today on the podcast, we're going to check in on Chris Wagner's busy week. We're also going to answer a couple mailbag questions and then, of course, just look around the hockey world and see what is up. Before we get to that, let me remind you, the podcast is available wherever you get podcasts, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. If you could kindly smash that subscribe button, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, enjoy, And if you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. For those of you who are on Twitter, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins. On Instagram, it's Locked On Boston Bruins. If you want to follow my particular brand of tweeting, you can find me at ENC McLaren. And I'm also over there on Instagram with the same handle. Now, once again today, there's not very much in the way of Bruins Roster news, free agents, trades, all quiet there. However, off the ice, well, I guess that would constitute as off the ice as well, but um, Chris Wagner has been very busy this week and doing some really cool things. So I thought I would just, uh, if you missed it, give you a tour of what he's been up to. And we'll begin with the fact that he had earlier this year teamed up with Harpoon Brewery to create a new beer called Don't Poke the Bear. It's a bright golden ale brewed with a touch of black honey, of course, and Golden Promise Malt delivers a light floral and citrus aroma with a biscuit, honey, and lemon zest taste. If I could drink beer, I would be all over this. It sounds delicious. Uh, Those of you who know me well know that uh, I have a gluten allergy, therefore am more of a cider guy. Anyways... Part of the proceeds from this beer went to the Corey C. Griffin Foundation. And last week, Wagner and Harpoon announced that they were donating $49,526 to the charity, which supports underprivileged youth and those specifically with medical challenges. Griffin, of course, was known in the Boston sports scene, and he helped to run the annual NHL Alumni Pro-Am while also being an instrumental part in creating the Ice Bucket Challenge before his tragic passing in 2014 at the age of 27. Wagner said they didn't expect to raise that much money. They thought $20,000 might be good, but, you know, good mass people like their beer. They like the Bruins. They knew it was going to a great cause, and they're very proud of that for sure, he said. Wagner visited Harpoon earlier this year to brew his own batch of don't, poke the bear and you can check back at that episode of behind the bee in case you missed it now wagner was also in the halloween spirit he was out in the community on monday for the bruins outdoor socially distanced halloween celebration at the boys and girls club of boston's orchard gardens location with charlie coyle 
Boston Police Commissioner William Gross and members of the Boston Police Department hockey team. Wagner said it was awesome. The Boys and Girls Club is a great place for these kids to come and hang out, paint pumpkins, shoot pucks. It's awesome to be with the kids and hopefully make an impact in the community. This is one of the benefits of having some local guys on the roster. Um, Wagner, Coyle, both mass natives and for them to be able to get into the community and do this kind of thing is uh, very cool of them and I'm sure it will make a lasting impact on on the kids who were able to be part of that event. And finally, on a personal note, many of you noticed it on Instagram earlier this week. Wagner proposed to longtime girlfriend Kate McDonald at Surf Drive Beach in Falmouth over the weekend. He's the latest in a line of Bruins to get engaged recently, including Brandon Carlo, as well as Connor Clifton. On a sad note, I noticed that Brandon Carlo announced the passing of his grandmother on Instagram, and we send our condolences to Brandon and his family during this difficult time, uh, for sure. So that's just a quick update of what some of our Bruins have been up to lately. Um, And, you know, we trust that Don Sweeney is working hard behind the scenes, trying to work out a deal for uh, Jake DeBrusque, continuing to be in communication with Zidane Chara, and uh, hopefully in the near future there's some positive news in terms of the roster and any further shakeups that may be coming uh, in relation to it. Now, I put out a call uh, for mailbag questions on Twitter, made the mistake of including a Blue's Clues mailbag gif in that tweet, so I got a couple Blue's Clues-related questions to be honest, Blue's Clues was after my time and before my kids' time, so I didn't really watch it that much. So, uh, you know, I didn't really catch the references. So, sorry, I can't answer those completely. But first, I will answer a question sent in from our friend from Finland, Yuso Kokianainen. Please let me know if I'm not saying your name correctly, and I can fix that for future mailbag questions. But he asks... Uh, Kotkaniemi is currently playing in the Finnish League, and Laine Barkov are in training over there. What do you think about this, that NHL players play in lower leagues? Well, I think it's a, a great opportunity for players to stay fresh, to stay in shape, as long as they're doing it within the mandates of local government in terms of COVID-19 restrictions, wearing masks, etc., then you know, I think it's better than sitting at home and perhaps getting out of playing shape. I know some players are allowed to be skating right now under those restrictions. Uh, there's always a risk of injury for sure when you're playing, you know, pro hockey at, at a pretty high level, um, lower than, you know, North American pro leagues, but still it's, it's, it's very good hockey as I'm sure you can attest. And that could be a concern, but it's better than for younger players, for sure, to have that stalled development. You know, whether they're playing on bigger ice surfaces, I can't really recall, but maybe that would be an adjustment coming back. Overall, uh, I think the fact that NHL teams are allowing it and are loaning these players to these teams suggests that it's a, a positive thing overall and that. Younger players, for sure, could benefit, although we've seen Joe Thornton, who is one of the oldest players in the league, deciding 
to go over to Switzerland and, and play uh, just for the love of the game, I guess. He doesn't really need the money, and he's already got an NHL contract. Uh, but, you know, more power to him for that as well. Next question comes from Andrew is on a PTO at just you know why with three whys. Asks, does Tyler Bertuzzi's new contract, one year, $3.1 million AAV, bode well for DeBrusque? I would imagine that's DeBrusque re-signing for the Bruins. Or do you feel that Jake wants to hold out for a deal like what Sam Reinhart got, one year, $5.2 million AAV? Now, Bertuzzi's contract was awarded to him in arbitration. DeBrusque is not arbitration eligible. It's a pretty decent comparison for DeBrusque. Bertuzzi has played 199 games. He's got 119 points. DeBrusque has played in 203 games, 120 points. Um, kind of different players. Bertuzzi brings more of an edge to his game. Uh, he's more of a, a Brad Marchand type winger, I would say. I'm pretty familiar with Bertuzzi, seeing as he played for the Guelph Storm. And yeah, he kind of played that agitator role, but can also contribute on the offensive end. Uh, DeBrusque, less physical, more offensively minded, and you would think that his point totals would be higher than a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi's, although Bertuzzi has been you know, a top-line winger for the Red Wings just because they don't have the talent to maybe put him at a, a second-line role, which maybe more fitting for his game. Anyways, yeah, it's a different situation because DeBrusque is an arbitration eligible. I would think he would be pushing for a deal more on the side of Reinhardt where he got, you know, 1,000,000, AAV. Reinhardt has more experience. He's a more proven player and certainly has warranted that kind of AAV. DeBrusque has basically zero leverage with the Bruins um, and is kind of at the mercy of what they're willing to offer him. He does have the option to sit out the season by holding out and failing to sign a deal. If he doesn't sign a deal by a certain date, then he can't play this season at all. So, you know, he really has zero leverage in this situation. The Bruins, I'm sure, are pushing for a deal that's closer to the Tyler Bertuzzi range, probably two, three years, 3.5 million. DeBrusque, according to his agent, is looking for a longer term deal with an AAV in the five to six million dollar range, which in my estimation, he hasn't earned to this point in his career. He's basically been handed a top six spot alongside David Krejci. And the fact that he has not improved numbers-wise year over year is a bit troubling. So I think he and the Bruins would be well-served on a bridge-type deal where he can prove what he is capable of and gives the Bruins a bit more time to see exactly what they have in him. The longer it goes, the more there's a possibility of a trade or a lack of resolution. And... Um, you know, I don't think either side has really a, a a strong appetite for that, but it certainly could be trending that way if uh, talks continue to get stalled. Now, a little bit of breaking news here. 
Looks like the Ottawa Senators are close to signing UFA forward Alex Galchenyuk. Supposed to be a one-year deal at $1.05 million. Another guy that I thought the Bruins could potentially target as a depth forward. Uh, you know, a lot of potential in this player. He hasn't really proved much at the NHL level. But on a one-year deal at just over a million dollars with the potential to add some significant scoring there, it's something the Bruins should have looked at. He's making less than what Kevin Miller will uh, get this season on a deal signed on the first day of free agency, which I still do not understand. And, um, yeah, just another missed opportunity there, I think, for the Bruins to get a guy on a bit of a low risk, potentially mid to, yeah, mid reward <laughs> from Galchenyuk. Um, so, you know, Bobby Ryan was one of those candidates. Alex Galchenyuk, Anthony Duclair is still out there as the guy that I would like to see them go after. And the fact that Ottawa's bringing Galchenyuk may signal that he is indeed going to be moving on from a Senators team where he had pretty good success last year. So, um, yeah, a little bit of breaking news there as it pertains to a winger that may or may not have been on uh, the Bruins' radar. The final question comes from Jacob at Jacob Olmstead 5 who asks, do you think the Bruins plan on doing a rebuild or retool after this season? This is a topic that's come up a bit lately after the Chicago Blackhawks kind of announced that they're doing a bit of a rebuild, despite their core players still being in the mix. Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. I think it's a very real possibility that the Bruins could... I don't know if they'll go into a full rebuild after this season, they will be opening up a ton of cap space with both Tuka Rask and David Krejci's current contracts coming off the books. Ideally, they would be re-signed at potentially lower rates, but that's not a, a fait accompli by any stretch of the imagination. You'll also be seeing Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm, Greg McKaig, uh, as UFAs, as well as Yaroslav Halak. So depending on whether or not any of those players come back, specifically Krejci and Rask, you could see a lot of cap space opening up for the Bruins to do some bigger things on the open market. We saw Taylor Hall take a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres. If that doesn't work out, then he'll be available to sign next summer. Um, you know, there will be other free agents available next year and hopefully the cap will also go up a bit although that's up in the air depending on how much revenue is generated this season with covid still you know alive and well and spreading across north america across the world really so with all that said i think they still have some pretty core pieces in place to build around you'll still have bergeron uh marchand and Krejci signed for a couple years, you have David Pasternak, who's a premier player in this league. You have Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo to build around. So I don't know if they'll go into full rebuild mode, but some retooling will certainly be in order, especially if, like I said, Krejci and Rask leave. If Halak doesn't resign, you'll need to find a new goaltender. You might need to find some 
depth at center or, you know, have Jack Stanika step into the third line center role. Charlie Coyle moves up to second line center role. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty there and it all really depends on the futures of David Krejci and Tuka Rask. If those guys both leave, then you immediately have, you know, over $14 million in cap space at your disposal, as well as some significant free agents that will be on the market and some players internally who will need raises. Brandon Carlo is an RFA after next season, as is Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie. Um, so there will be plenty of opportunities there for a bit of a retool. I don't expect them to go into full rebuild mode, but that also depends on Jeremy Jacobs, how willing he is to spend, and if there is an internal cap placed on Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, then it might be prudent for them to move out some more veteran players, clear some cap space, and kind of go into a more of a rebuild mode. One of the things holding the Bruins back is their lack of success at the draft in the past few years. They haven't really stocked the pipeline with high-end talent that they could easily retool on the fly. There are some holes there. There are some positions where there's not much depth in the pipeline. And so those mistakes on draft day could come back to haunt them and make the rebuild process a bit longer than perhaps it could or should have been if better decisions had been made on draft day. So there's a lot of variables there. Like I said, it begins with the futures of Krejci and Rask. If those guys leave, compounded with Krug's departure, if Chara's gone, then you know we have a significant shift in the core of this team. Patrice Bergeron's not getting any younger. He's already 35, two years left on his deal. Some groin issues as well. Um, so really, Marchand, Coyle look to be uh, the future of this team. Craig Smith is signed for a few years. And um, Chris Wagner signed for a few more years. And then you have Grizzlick's four-year contract. John Moore has three years left on his deal. Uh, so there is, all that to say, some flexibility in terms of retooling. The rebuild, I think, depends on what ownership wants to do. If they really want to cut costs, then, yeah, the Bruins will have to strip this team down to um, prospects and a few Key players like McAvoy, Pasternak, Marchand to carry the load moving forward. Whether or not that's enough to be a contender or a playoff team remains to be seen. So, you know, even if they don't go into full retool mode, we certainly will, I think, see the team take a step back or two or three in the next few years. And I don't know. I don't want to think about heading back into what this team was in the uh, late 90s, early to mid 2000s, but we certainly could be heading there if Jacobs and co decide to really tighten the purse strings. Thanks so much for those mailbag questions. I really appreciate them. If you have any questions throughout the week, feel free to hit me up at LO underscore Boston Bruins or send me a tweet at ENC McLaren as well. Before we move on, let's talk for a moment about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, as well as more 
basic ones like peanut butter, banana bread, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's nut and non-nut flavors, and each bar is gluten-free, which is very important to me. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And the kicker is that they are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com, and if you use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, you'll get 20% off your next order of Built Bars. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I wanted to finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. I mentioned Galchenyuk signing with the uh, Senators. The other big news this morning appears to be the Dallas Stars releasing a blackout jersey that looks like something you would see at a laser tag arena. I wanted to touch on real quick again the Mitchell Miller story with the Arizona Coyotes. And if you're not familiar yet with the story, he was a kid who was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes this uh, past, I guess, earlier this month. And Miller and another eighth grader were convicted in an Ohio juvenile court of bullying and abusing a boy named Isaiah Myers Crothers, who is black and developmentally disabled. Now, if you read the story of what exactly they did to this kid, you see that it goes far beyond bullying. It's it's should be considered abuse, a hate crime. And if you read a letter that was published in The Athletic that was written by Myers Crothers' mother to NHL teams, you see just how devastating this situation is and how egregious it is for the Arizona Coyotes to give this kid a chance at making the NHL. She writes, hello, this is from Aaron Portsline of The uh, Athletic. She writes, hello, I'm the mother of the boy that Mitchell Miller bullied. I read the statements made by GM Bill Armstrong, etc., and find them demeaning to our son. Are you aware Mitchell never apologized to our son? Are you aware two years ago he still taunted him? Are you aware this went on for years? Do you understand the mental damage Mitchell did to our son? I respect you stating he sent all the NHL teams an apology, but wouldn't it make sense if he was truly remorseful to send a letter to the kid that he brutally bullied both mentally and physically? Is it a surprise he sent all the NHL teams a letter because this was for his betterment? I guess as an organization and NHL team, I would expect so much more and hold them to a higher standard, especially with all the Black Lives Matter movement. As much as we pray Mitchell will eventually see the damage he did to our son, we have seen no remorse. The other gentleman had a sincere apology to our son, and our son forgave him. The magistrate said it best. Mitchell, I don't think you were remorseful for what you did more than you are upset for the negative attention you are getting. Again, the bullying incident that continued over years has damaged our son mentally significantly, and your organization is more concerned about Mitchell and your hockey success. In my opinion, this is a big part of the problem. There is a victim out there that was and still is at the hands of your 111th pick. Best, Joni. 
Well, I can't even imagine being a parent in that situation. And uh, I'm grateful that she wrote that letter. I'm grateful that it was shared. And I do think the Coyotes need to be held accountable for this decision. Uh, you know, I do believe in second chances, but that's also contingent on showing that remorse, making amends, demonstrating real personal growth. And really, there's none of that from this draftee apart from doing what he needed to do in order to convince an NHL team that he was able to, you know, be a, a positive member of the, of the team or whatever, which that remains to be seen. Anyways, I uh, just wanted to share that letter. And uh, again, you can check that out from Aaron Port's line of The Athletic. Not really much else out there right now in terms of rumors or news. So I will keep it there for today. I hope you are all doing doing well, having a good week. And, uh, you know, we're not much closer to the weekend. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I appreciate all the support. And uh, I, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with some more uh, Bruins chats and content. Um, so yeah, have a great week. I mean, have a great day.